Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the RJC podcast, Creating Beautiful. My guest today is Diana Mitkoff. Diana is a Senior Insights and Analytics Manager at The Bears and has been with them for over a decade. Her expertise includes a broad base of areas such as market sizing and forecasting, consumer and pipeline demand, brand strategy and tracking, stakeholder relationship assessment, to just name a few. Most recently, she has been instrumental in driving the 2021 Diamond Insight Report, which focuses on, surprise, surprise, my favorite topic, sustainability. And I'm personally very excited about this conversation, where we will focus on the findings from this report and what they mean for diamond companies and for the industry at large that we so deeply care about. Well, hello, Diana, and welcome to the podcast. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Iris. It's a pleasure to be joining you today. Well, I think that this 2021 report uh, that focuses on sustainability could really not have been uh, at a more appropriate timing, Diana. Um, I'll start by honing in on what I think is a central message of the report, that sustainability has become an imperative in recent years and that there has been a clear and rapid acceleration of both efforts on the part of companies, as well as a consumer's desire to make it a critical criteria in their buying decisions. And the report talks also about this tipping point that has been reached. Um, Could you talk a bit about what it is that has really driven this quantum change in the very recent past, Diana? Yes, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Iris. Yes. The focus on sustainability is grounded, I think, in human, in the human drive for survival, for fairness, for justice. So the challenges that society has faced in these areas have become more evident in recent years as climate change, the income gap and various forms of inequality have become more pronounced. The factors which have driven this heightened sensitivity are firstly the scientific facts themselves. We know a lot now about global warming, which cannot be ignored because climate change and loss of biodiversity pose an existential threat to the planet. In second place, there have been social movements such as Me Too and Black Lives Matter, and they have recently brought to the fore the issues of gender and race equality and diversity and inclusion. Then a third factor are governments. They have stepped up their activities in shifting the rules to better facilitate and regulate sustainability and invest trillions of dollars in greener and more equitable economy. Then, of course, there are the non-governmental organizations who have played an important role as well because they advocate ever more vocally for change on a host of issues from nature to social justice. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, consumers, consumer consciousness and values are shifting towards conscientious consumerism. This is a state where consuming more as an expression of achievement and status is being replaced with consuming in the right way that helps the advancement of society in line with individual values of contribution to the greater good. Of course, the COVID-19 pandemic has also sharpened up the focus on ESG issues, particularly when it comes to community support and rethinking consumption priorities. 
supporting community and expressing love and emotion in meaningful ways became a trend over this difficult time of isolation and concern for individual health and well-being. Indeed, people all over the world have come to expect more of businesses and brands, not only of governments and politicians, when it comes to responding to these societal and environmental changes. Well, thank you, Diana. Um, and this whole context on the consumer can, can really help me in the second question I have for you, because when we speak about consumer considerations, what specifically do today's consumers, especially Gen Z and millennials, care about when they show sensitivity to sustainability values? In other words, what does sustainability mean to them in concrete terms? Yes, in the Diamond Insight report, we have used two terms uh, almost synonymously, sustainability and ESG issues. ESG stands for environmental, societal and governance issues. The young generations have been central to the Extinction Rebellion, for example, which is a do-it-together movement aimed at saving the planet from rising carbon emissions and the resultant global warming, which puts biodiversity and living conditions at risk. In the social area, Gen Z and millennials are the generations that are the most attuned to diversity and inclusion in all their manifestations, from gender and race equality to sexuality, religion and different abilities. The governance aspect of sustainability is relevant to the young generations as it is the way in which companies can ensure and demonstrate that their practices truly meet the high standards of environmental and social responsibility. Gen Z and millennials are looking for authenticity from companies and uh, They are looking for the companies that they interact with, that they buy from, in the same way as, the, as they uh, value that authenticity in their interpersonal relationships. As consumers, they're very savvy and they're quick to spot disingenuousness from companies. At the same time, they appreciate the fact that companies, as well as humans, can make mistakes and value their genuine efforts to act in the right way. So openness, transparency and honesty are key in the relationships with younger consumers. But this means that companies and brands need to truly live what they preach and advertise to the world. Uh, the saying, actions speak louder than words, is most appropriate to describe what the young generations expect from companies in how they deal with environmental, social and governance issues. The younger generations want assurance of the positive impact a product creates. When it comes to selecting diamond jewelry specifically, the young generations place the highest importance on quality. And quality is a hygiene factor for all generations and all geographies. Everybody wants quality. But after quality, the second most important consideration is protecting the environment. In our research, this came out on a par with design and price. And after that, the next most important considerations were fair worker treatment, support for local communities, and conflict-free sourcing. These priority considerations demonstrate that sustainability 
means a lot to young people in the jewellery and diamond context specifically. And you see that all ESG aspects are included here. That's so interesting, Diana, because uh, this morning I was having a meeting with EBN uh, Ambro, founding member of the Responsible Jury Council, and we were actually talking about, you know, what is driving this sustainability movement. And I was saying, well, 20 years ago, it was actually really difficult for me to convince people on this agenda, right? And today you've got this, you know, wonderful conscious consumer, and at the same time, of course, the driver of an evolving victory landscape. Um, so I think these dynamics will continue to accelerate. And I guess that brings me to the next point, because then we talk about, of course, assurance. And I would like to understand from you where the report talks about how companies can communicate their sustainability credentials to consumers at the various consumer touch points. Could you give us some insights on that? Yes, yes, of course. Um, consumers really appreciate an objective opinion about the sustainability credentials of products. So the strongest way to demonstrate objectivity, as it came out in our research, is the opinions of experts. And almost half of consumers want to hear from experts. This is where third-party validation and verification in the form of an impartial certificate comes in. And consumers do appreciate actually a hard copy of a certificate, strangely enough, in this day and age. But uh, that is something that they can keep or they can include it as a valuable part of a gift. It's uh, easier to give something in physical form than to uh, show something which exists in electronic form only. So they like that. It is, however, very important to note that four in five, sorry, four in 10 consumers, 40%, also look to the companies and brands themselves for their sustainability stories. Uh, so these stories need to be well supported by actual behavior, proven actions and investments. But it is important that companies and brands communicate and openly talk about what they're doing, the positive things that they're doing. Then the third most influential channel are the retailers. We cannot underestimate the role of the sales assistants in shops. They really are able to convey the true stories of brands and products. 37% of consumers find this source of information gives them reassurance about a brand's contribution to environmental sustainability and to society more broadly. Of course, in this day and age, we cannot ignore digital media. 39% of consumers in our study would very much like to have an electronic record of a diamond's journey from the mine to the store. Such an electronic record enables retailers to tell the inspiring stories behind diamonds. They can start with the natural characteristics of the locations where they were found. They can talk about flora and fauna in these locations. They can talk about the local communities and the benefits that diamonds bring to those communities. Then moving through how and where the diamonds were cut and polished, getting to the jewelry designers brought the, who bring out the beauty of the gems to life in their finished jewelry pieces. All of this creates a unique story for consumers to take away with them and tell it to friends and family. Finally, about a third of consumers are influenced by more traditional methods, such as brand partnerships with non-profit organizations. 
So this should be highlighted as well in company and brand communications. Well, uh, I, yeah, I find that you know a, a fasc- I find that a fascinating trend, and I really am looking forward to seeing indeed you know how companies will step up. And I agree with you, Diana. I think the retailers have a huge opportunity to tell that story to the consumer without, of course, overpromising. So a story with integrity and about real impacts, and also about the challenges because we do live in an imperfect world. So I think a consumer should also, you know, acknowledge that and, and stay realistic uh, on that uh, part of the journey. Now, let's let's look at, you know, what's coming. To, I always talk about the 2030 agenda. It's a little bit scary, Diana, because then I'll be 60. But, you know, let's think positive. This is a decade of action, 17 sustainable development goals. So how do you think that sustainability landscape will look, let's say, in 10 years from now, and what must companies do to prepare for this shift that is, you know, surely upon us? In other words, what is a call to action for companies to stay on course and equally importantly, to stay relevant to their customers? Okay, yes. Firstly, I think that companies need to understand consumers' values and especially the values of the young generations who are the customers of the future. Some of them, you know, millennials, especially the older millennials, they're very much the consumers of the present because they uh, are pretty much in their financial strength right now. Uh, But those slightly younger millennials and definitely Gen Z are the people that will be consuming in the future uh, in great strength. So this is the only way forward as consumers buy material possessions and luxury items which help them express themselves. If consumers are convinced that their purchases communicate their values to the world, then they are more willing to pay more for them. And this is especially true for luxury, where this is not something that people absolutely need. It's a little bit of a... Uh, of a discretionary spend, it's a little bit something that they pamper themselves with. So it's that much more important that there is a general social good that comes through the products that they buy. And they do want to to put more money uh, behind such products. So acting in an ESG aligned way is not only a moral imperative for companies, it is also a business opportunity. So the second task in staying relevant to consumers is to understand where our offer may be leaving something to be desired. Uh, I will talk maybe a little bit more about the different approaches that we have used in our research, but one of those approaches was to find out what really drives brand recommendation, advocacy, and brand loyalty. So once people have acquired something from one brand, what are the underlying factors that make them come back to this brand again and again and actually recommend it to other people? So in this analysis, what we found out was that the areas of consideration, both in terms of their importance to consumers, but also how well they perform in consumers' perceptions, we found that uh, there are very important considerations that really do not necessarily perform very well in how consumers see them and how they evaluate them. So on the one hand, we have established that consumers have very good perceptions of brands in areas such as honesty and transparency, 
quality of products, design of jewelry. So these are good, they're positive, they need to be maintained. But consumers have higher expectations of brands in four important areas that are ESG related. So one is provision of support to local communities in the diamond producing countries. A second area is showing where the diamonds come from, showing that origin, that provenance of the diamonds. A third one is supporting the empowerment of women and girls and gender equality. And the fourth one is minimizing environmental impact. Those uh, first, the three very positive ones, and these four ESG-related ones are really the important drivers that can help brands uh, build uh, loyalty and build advocacy for themselves. So that's why it's important for these to be improved and for companies to talk to consumers about them and tell them what all the good initiatives are in place that they offer and the industry offers. And where necessary, perhaps they need to think about what develop what uh, initiatives of their own they can develop and put in place. So the Diamond Insight Report is actually full of examples that companies can quote or can take as inspiration for developing their own initiatives in that respect. So thank you, Diana. One of the areas in the report that caught my attention is where it talks about how the next generation of responsible sourcing solutions are technology enabled. And I'm interested in hearing about the findings there and what it could mean for companies that are indeed looking for next gen solutions. All right. Yes, in the coming years, there will be a step change in technology innovations to transform really how the industry sources, mines, processes, moves and markets products. Uh, Now, evidence of ethical sourcing will be crucial to sustain consumer trust in diamonds and their desire for diamonds. Uh, And thanks to technology uh, that has been pioneered right across the value chain, the diamond industry will soon be able to ensure provenance and traceability at scale. Although the industry has long strived for transparency, the complex nature of the diamond's journey means that tech-enabled solutions can now deliver a real impact. And I will talk about several examples that are mentioned and discussed uh, in the Diamond Insight report. Uh, The Aura Blockchain Consortium is one of those, and it is a collaboration between LVMH, Richemont, and the Prada Group, and it aims to address common issues across the luxury industry, where it's making it possible for consumers to access product history and proof of authenticity of those luxury goods. Then there is another company, the a technology company called Everledger, which has operated in the diamond space for a few years now. And it has designed a solution uh, where it uses blockchain technology to register a diamond's provenance and authenticity through the value chain. Sarin is another diamond service and technology company uh, which introduced its Diamond Journey initiative. Uh, It is a cloud-based system 
which uses the company's scanning technology, mapping systems, as well as other data about a diamond in order to track it through the value chain. It involves validation at every stage, and Sarin is working with diamond producers and manufacturers on this initiative. One of the companies that it's working with is Lucara, the Diamond Corporation, uh, and uh, Lucara uses Sarin uh, technology to provide traceability for its uh, diamonds that are listed on the Lucara's rough sales platform, which is called Clara. Uh, So Lucara, as our listeners maybe are aware, owns the Karoe mine in Botswana, and it began this partnership with Sarin in 2018, uh, and Sarin will be able to add additional information to the log uh, on each diamond once the diamond has been manufactured, and it allows uh, then the whole offer from mine to retail to be traceable. Of course, uh, I, I will mention here undoubtedly some initiatives that come from the De Beers Group, Uh, One of those is Code of Origin, uh, which is a trusted source program. The Code of Origin uh, is actually a customized code, which is unique to each diamond, and it provides assurance that it's natural and conflict-free and was discovered by De Beers in Botswana, Canada, Namibia, or South Africa, where we have mining operations. This, This Code of Origin is a reassurance that the diamonds are delivered in a way that provides positive impact for people and the planet on their journey to the consumer. The plan is for Code of Origin to be connected to the De Beers Tracer blockchain-backed digital platform. So Tracer is the the technology that is going to uh, add that extra value to the Code of Origin. Uh, So Tracer is a connected value chain platform, which is powered by a combination of blockchain, artificial intelligence and Internet of Things. So that kind of combination of the code of origin concept and the Tracer platform provides that kind of opportunity to tell, again, a more data rich story to consumers about the journey of their diamond and the people and places that have benefited along the way that the diamond has uh, gone through in order to reach consumers at the end. I can't uh, miss out here to mention Alrosa and their nanotechnology. Uh, That is is very interesting because it uses a laser to make a permanent but non-invasive inscription on the diamonds below the surface. So that mark can be read again along the supply chain to the polished state of the diamond. And again, it provides that kind of reassurance and evidence of the provenance of the diamond. Another area where technology is important in the jewellery and and the diamond industry is circularity. And circularity is the area that has grown in importance in the luxury space uh, because there have been lots of discussions around waste, around unused inventory and recycling. And uh, often the the way the circularity issues are addressed is through tech-enabled reselling services 
for products. So there are platforms. We are talking about reselling digital platforms. And the companies that offer those and have been offering them for a few years over the past decade, probably, uh, Real Real, it was founded in 2011, has 21 million global members. Uh, Vestiaire Collective is another one. Uh, it, it is valued at over $1 billion now and recently Caring invested in, in uh, that platform as well, in that offer there. Uh, Ux Netaporte is another one, another leader in the uh, luxury and fashion space and they launched uh, their Infinity program in 2020. So that group is uh, really setting out its ambitions to lead circular design and care and repair programs, because circularity is not only about recycling, it's about reuse, it's about repurposing. So a myriad of initiatives can go into that. So they want to enhance the availability and desirability of sustainable luxury and fashion through uh, their content and through product assortments that they provide. And they also talk about reducing carbon emissions um, and creating a climate positive result there. Uh, of course, another example is Richemont's watch finder, acquisition of watch finder, where again, watches are being resold and reused. And uh, it's a platform that helps understand more about consumers' motivations and at the same time provides a professional and trustworthy and transparent platform that uh, uh, makes use of what they call idle assets. You know, they bring things that are just sitting there back into circulation and again, um, helping create a slightly more sustainable uh, offering there, which is not using more and more new resources. And talking of resources in the diamond industry, circularity is uh, probably a little bit deeper than just reselling of products. Um, it is about an economic system that puts people in nature first across the supply chain. And because diamonds are finite resource, inextricably linked to the health and prosperity of the communities around the recovery operations, this is important. So the industry constantly assesses the implications of that circular economy and looks for finding ways to minimize waste. And for us, waste is in the actual um, resources and materials that are being used. One such example is water. You know, how do we uh, minimize uh, wasted water? How do we purify water that is used in the production of, of diamonds? So um, these are all the the key aspects uh, that, that the Insight Report touches on in the technology space. So, Diana, from technology, which I've learned a lot, as usual, I, I learned so much from you, uh, Diana, let's go to gender, uh, people, you know, and, and you know that's a topic very close to my heart. We know if we want to reach the 2030 agenda, we cannot leave anyone behind, and especially women, we should not forget, you know, that um, we need to accelerate action there. And I was really thrilled to see, you know, the expanding partnership of the De Beers with UN Women in the report. And could you tell us a little bit more about that? And I, I also want to congratulate, you know, your CEO, Bruce Cleaver, because uh, I really like his leadership style and, uh, and it's really a style of empowerment and inclusion. So uh, 
looking forward to hear more about that. Yes, no, I'm, uh, I'm really uh, proud and, and really happy to be working for a company that has taken such a positive stance on women and girls' empowerment uh, in everything it does, really. So uh, the, the collaboration between De Beers Group and, or actually I should call it partnership with UN Women, started in 2017. And in 2021, that partnership was extended for a further five years. And uh, it is part of the De Beers Group Building Forever Goals. And Building Forever has four main pillars. And the one of the central initiatives within that is to achieve gender parity across the workforce by the year 2030. So during the first three years of De Beers' partnership with UN Women, we actually increased the appointment of women into senior leadership roles from 22% to 40%, with representation of women in senior leadership overall increasing from 17 to 30%. So you can see nearly doubling of the proportion of women. So uh, we are the, the target of reaching 60-40 uh, representation of women. We are pretty much getting there definitely in the appointment, in the recruitment of women into senior leadership roles. Uh, also, De Beers Group and UN Women set up a new program called Accelerating Women-Owned Micro-Enterprises. And uh, this is part of a three million investment to support women and girls in the De Beers Group partner producer communities. So very, very important for the countries where we operate. And this program aims to support women who are entrepreneurs with tailored training and mentorship in order for them to grow their businesses, increase their own income and create actually sustainable jobs for their communities. And by the end of 2020, this accelerating women-owned micro-enterprises had provided training and mentorship to more than a thousand women in Botswana, Namibia and South Africa. A further $3 million has since been invested to extend the program uh, to support 10,000 women entrepreneurs to build their businesses by 2030. Also, we have been working with university and industry partners as part of the goal to engage 10,000 girls in what is called STEM, that is science, technology, engineering and maths subjects by 2030. So between 2017 and 2020, the company granted more than 50 scholarships to young women from underprivileged communities in Canada to pursue STEM opportunities. It also engaged more than 900 girls in Southern Africa in partnership with the award-winning organization, uh, I don't know whether I should pronounce it Wiming, uh, which is Women in Engineering, so that um, all of these very much uh, technology and science orientated uh, subjects could benefit from the contribution of women, uh, young women, uh, and, and provide, you know, opportunities for them to develop. So a lot, as I say, a lot to be proud of. 
Yes, Diana, I agree. And, you know, it's always nice for me when I look at the RGC community. We have today 1,600 members. We had 20% growth despite COVID. And, of course, every member matters. And then when you hear these inspiring stories for uh, from, like, uh, the Beers Group, a founding member, uh, I think it, it can be very uh, aspirational also for, you know, anyone listening to this podcast to really look at what they can do uh, for women and to empower women. And I would also tell the audience, you know, please go to the website of the RJC because we've been working closely with the Bears Group, with uh, Al Rosa, with many players um, on uh, generation equality. And uh, there's a report on that from barriers uh, to solutions. And RJC will continue to lead those conversations that matter in 2022. So um, thank you for that, Diana. Very inspiring. Well, unfortunately, we're almost at the end of this podcast, but um, I'd love to hear what you hope we can achieve by the end of this critical decade if we continue to accelerate the pace of change. In other words, what makes you optimistic about the future as it relates to sustainability in our industry, Diana? I am optimistic because we already see so many great examples of positive initiatives in the jewelry and the diamond industries. This shows a level of maturity in how companies understand the importance of sustainability. Understanding the issues and the consumer angle are essential. As businesses and industries understand the impact they have on all stakeholders in the countries where they operate, the opportunities for higher growth, profitability and competitive advantage come from treating these issues as integral to a company's core strategic positioning and can have substantial economic impact on companies and entire industries. I have no doubt that the most forward-looking companies will serve as a beacon for the rest. A range of ideas and solutions are already available and there will be more to come, I'm sure, as companies understand that being sustainable is not only a cost to the business, but when done with honest intentions and true commitment, it can be a competitive advantage and a business opportunity. Another aspect of uh, the future and what makes me feel optimistic about the future is that organizations like the Responsible Jewelry Council are also there to support in a very tangible way the companies in our industries. This support comes in the shape of code of practices, which are aligned to the sustainable development goals and cover the entire supply chain. Another way that RJC supports the industry is through the development of ESG performance metrics. Setting goals and targets is the best way to ensure that everybody in the industry is focused on the five pillars of sustainable development, people, planet, prosperity, peace, and partnerships, as the RJC defines things. Uh, of course, I have to mention the De Beers' own best practice principles here. Uh, they have been raising standards across the diamond industry and will continue to do so in the future. This program ensures that all participants in the De Beers value chain adhere to responsible business practices and maintain high ethical standards. This includes adherence to international human rights frameworks, also labor laws and regulations, and this is in addition to ethical, social and environmental best practice requirements. 
And uh, what I would like to um, finish on here is uh, really a quote from Michael Porter, who is one of the world's most influential thinkers on management and competition. Porter stated that the new competitive advantage lies in creating shared value. Our research that is shown in the Diamond Insight report has showed that consumers are prepared to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to both shared value and shared lifelong values. So that is the uplifting thought that we need to be aligned with consumers and we are aligned as we see all the examples in in the Insight report that we are aligned in terms of values. You know, we create value while we share values with our consumers. Well, thank you, Diana. I think it's a great closure and uh, I fully support you. I think that uh, it's about purpose, it's about values in action and that we as an industry have an enormous uh, responsibility and opportunity to show how our uh, jewelry contributes to development uh, on the ground. And with that said, allow me first of all to thank you. Uh, I think you are an amazing, inspiring woman with so much knowledge. I'm sure that the audience would love to hear more. And I will definitely interview you further in the future to hear your thoughts and your strategic thinking. Thank you. Allow me also to take the opportunity to thank the Beers Group as a founding member of the RJC and also the active involvement within the board of Stephen Lucier and Ferial Zaruki and also all our support from David Prager, and I would say all the amazing employees and uh, team members of the De Beers. So uh, thank you again, Diana, and uh, stay safe. Thank you very much, Iris. It is a pleasure to be joining you in this podcast. Thank you.